Let's stand open our Bibles tonight, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Tonight I'm giving you a very brief challenge. Reading scripture which may sound redundant. Church, as we prepare for the days ahead, here's what I've seen uh, in, in pastors. Because they were not teaching and preaching certain principles when they arrived uh, at these days, the church was fully unprepared. And to guide their church through these times, uh, they, they couldn't. Some tried to step up, but the church wasn't prepared to step up with them. And I want to be looking down the road, not with pessimism, with great optimism, because we have an amazing God in heaven, in charge that can bring to naught the foolishness of man. But I think it is important that we go mentally, spiritually, emotionally prepared for the days ahead. Second Corinthians 1.8. But we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. I simply want to ask you a question tonight. Are you trying to live discounted Christianity or are you willing to pay the full price? Now, I'll be honest with you, I like a deal. I don't like a deal. I want the best deal of all the deals. And I'm a patient man. I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to search while others are ready to jump. I don't care if it's a car or a house or a small product. I just want to know that I'm walking away with the best possible deal. And occasionally I lose a good deal because I'm, I'm thinking in my mind I can still find a better deal than that, and it pains me. For those that go out and misspend money on, on a vehicle that you can tell is a bad deal or a house that you can tell is a bad deal, it pains me. It honestly does. It hurts me, and I do my best to, to simply say nothing and, and smile and congratulate knowing this is going to be a great pain for them in the future, but they're convinced it was a deal. But here's the problem. We bring that mindset into Christianity, and I want to address our American Christianity because most of the world knows nothing of what we have lived and what we have enjoyed over the course of our lifetime. I can't speak for any other lifetime. I've read Baptist history, and we know some of the more famous Baptist preachers in years past that suffered some level of persecution. But as far as we're concerned, we have lived very comfortable Christian lives. I remember as a young man growing up at Rifle Colorado, we'd go out the door to go to church in the morning. Uh, just about everyone in town was dressed up. It, not that they were Baptist, but they were going to Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, some kind of church, and they were dressed appropriately and headed out the door, and Sunday was set aside as a day of worship. Pastors were treated with great respect. Christians and Christianity in general was widely accepted. Those times, those days have drastically changed over the course of my short and young life. We know things are going to continue to change. And uh, we have got to come to a point where we look at Paul and all of those that we know and speak highly of in Scripture. We don't repeat enough that they had the philosophy of 
we are more than willing to pay the full price. We're not looking for discounted Christianity. Now, until you embrace the cost of discipleship, you're never going to move back past your biggest obstacle, which is fear. Um, go with me to chapter 11 of St. Corinthians, verse 23. Look what Paul says. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, and labor is more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times, five times, received I forty stripes, save one. We can't imagine that taking place once for the cause of Christ, but five times. Thrice was I beaten with rods. So not just those five times with 40 stripes, save one, but an additional three times beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and I in a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness. Now remember this, we're not talking about Paul the exaggerator, we're talking about Paul the apostle, who was one tough cookie, a soldier of Christ. Do you realize, do you see the pattern here? Today's pattern of Christianity says, let's pay as little as possible. We've seen over the past 10 years the rise of non-denominational so-called Christianity. It's not Christianity because Christianity is Christ-like, and there's nothing there that is Christ-like. It's world-like. That crowd wants to see how close they can get to the world, imitate the world, supposedly in their attempt to reach the world, uh, but there is no production of disciples of Christ in that. And all those we as Baptists can see that and point at that with great criticism. I would say most Baptist churches have never had leadership that developed in them the embracing of the cost of discipleship and saying, I am willing to pay the full price. How many at any point would do exactly what Mark did and jump ship. I don't know if I wanted or would have wanted to travel with Paul on any of his journeys, face any of his difficulties, weariness, verse 27, in painfulness and watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without. And as a pastor now, I can relate to this, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I live with the Spanish church and our churches in Mexico and Capital City Baptist Church and the missionaries that I pastor, that, that is a heavy burden and I, I want to be able to help them as there are different conflicts and problems and trying to produce solutions in each one of those ministries. That's a burden. But Paul started more churches than I've started, carried greater burdens. He did not drive to San Antonio, jump on a flame and bounce over to Corinth in an hour and a half. That's a different life that he was living. But chapter 4 of this Book, 2 Corinthians 4, explains why he did and could do what he did because his focus was on the eternal. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, this is Paul speaking. Now, if this were a Baptist preacher in America in 2021, I could understand the words of our light affliction. But this is Paul speaking. He's not just, I know he's speaking directly to the church of Corinth, but he, he knows these letters are going to be passed around 
from Thessalonica to Ephesus and other places where Christians have paid a great price in, in choosing to serve God, and yet he calls it light affliction. He said, it's but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look, now this is the king, we look not on the things which are seen. Today's Christianity is looked upon the blessings of God are measured by earthly, prospering, financial success. There has to be a car involved, a property involved, a house involved, a bank account involved, a 401k involved, a nice career involved, a retirement plan involved. And that's what the average Christian is looking at, the seen, the temporal. But he said, well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So there's a philosophy that said, uh, I'll, I'll pay whatever cost, whatever price is necessary. The full price. I'm not looking for discounted Christian living. I'm not looking for discounted Christian living. Here's what he said, and I'll quote him in Philippians 1.21. He said, for me to live is Christ, and to die. I've never seen a generation of Christians that's fearful of dying. A virus blows through the area, and there's a survival rate of 99 point whatever, depending on your age category. And Christians have locked themselves in their houses in fear. Now, Look what, look what Paul did. Here's, here's someone who's embraced Philippians chapter 1. Christians, courage is contagious. Let me repeat that. Courage is contagious. Whatever you have is contagious in your home. Fear is contagious. He says in chapter 1 verse 12, writing to the church of Philippi from prison, I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And look what he says. My courage has been contagious. He said, many of the brethren in the Lord waxing, what? Confident in my bonds, by my bonds, are much more, what? They're more bold now to speak the word without, because they have, seen my boldness in the face of persecution. Our young people need to see boldness. Our young people need to see boldness. Your children need to see boldness, fearless Christianity that says, I'm not looking for discounted Christianity. I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not looking to be the generation that pays no cost, no price, avoids all consequence, because today's Christianity can't even be a light in, in the United States of America because of fear of any level of cost in serving Jesus. Now, here's what we're going to do. As we get to our closing verse, we're going to reroute through the Old Testament and just refresh our memory of everybody we hold in high esteem in the Bible and what they thought of concerning the cost. Go with me to Daniel chapter 3. We're not going to read much of these texts because everyone's very familiar with them. We'll read a verse or two that I'd consider the key text in the text. Look what it says in Daniel 3, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful. We're, we're not even careful. I know 
you're looking for a politically correct answer. But we are not careful. We don't have our masks on. And we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God. Now, normally, if is a word that reveals a lack of faith. But this is the rare case where this word, if, actually reveals the greatest faith we've seen ever in any generation. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, circle those words. I have preached on those words. I'm not going to re-preach a message tonight on those words. But they said, if not, be it known unto the O king. We're not looking for discounted Christianity. We're willing to pay the full price. But you do understand the full price is a fiery furnace. We're willing to pay the full price. We're not looking for discounted Christianity. There is coming in our lifetime, I remember hearing it as a youth, and it caused fear and trepidation in my heart. Now that I've turned, just turned 50 years of age, here's what we have to understand. We need to embrace whatever it is that's coming and say, uh, we're not shutting our doors. We're not turning back. We're not looking back. They were not in their hearts and made it clear to the king, guaranteed deliverance, but they were guaranteed their duty had not changed. And they did not say, you know, the government has mandated some new laws concerning worship. So we're going to tweak Uh, concerning the music and concerning when we're to bow and what we're supposed to do, they said, uh, uh, no, we're just going to stand strong, true, tall, and not waver. They said, we're willing to embrace. Now, church, before we ever march, if you're going to bow out or cower, now is the time. Now is the time to fill another pew. Now, there are plenty of churches that have already bowed and already cowered. Join one of those. We do not get to go halfway into the storm and then look back, step back, cower in fear, change our mind or retreat. We can't send mixed messages, not to our city nor to our children. We do understand that there is a battle raging. It's not going to get easier I don't care who's elected as governor or president or what happens to the Senate or the Congress in 18 months. None of that is changing the battle that is yet to come. So if you do not prepare your heart, your mind, your children, your home, uh, say, I I have pastors and people that look at me and say, preacher, you're trying to get your, your Concerned prematurely. I'm not concerned prematurely. Is a watchman. I have a Holy Ghost duty to blow the trumpet and tell you what we enjoyed tonight from the music to the service together to the fellowship and the invitation. All of this is a special privilege that will not last your lifetime. And here's what we will. We will adjust. And honoring God has been possible in any generation under any government. It just sometimes requires a greater price 
to be paid. And your fear reproduces fear. And your courage, your faith will reproduce courage and faith. But we have seen, when I, when I came here, Capital City, Pastor Thompson's sickness, those last few years, we, we lost uh, a half a decade of, of young people during that time. When things were going well and no pressure was placed on them except to do right. So if we had a half a generation walk out in, from 2005 to 2010, when everything was in their favor to do right, if this generation is not prepared to serve God and love God despite the conditions, saying, I'm, I'm not going to test the waters, I'm not going to check the environment, I'm not going to look at what another church is doing or how another family is responding, we have a spiritual duty Despite what any other church across this land is doing, we have a spiritual duty to stand up and say we don't want discounted Christianity. We are not careful to answer thee. We're not careful. The Bible's not changed. Its principles have not changed. Our God has not changed. This world has changed. Here they are when challenged. Their faith has been challenged. They said, we're not careful to answer thee. And our God could deliver us. And he might deliver us. But if he doesn't deliver us. So the question is, are you going to say, if he does not deliver us? What if he doesn't deliver our bus routes? What if he doesn't deliver our building? If not, none of that matters. If not, nothing changes. If not, we will not deviate. What if they pull you off YouTube? We're not on YouTube. What if they censure you from Facebook? And they will. We're we're not 12 to 18 months from from all. They're already censoring independent Baptist preachers. They're they're censoring conservatives. That's only going to get worse. And I spoke to my own preacher friends that during COVID, you see a government push for everyone to go online. Are we that illiterate spiritually to think there's a government push for churches to go online? And no control to come with that. Do we understand we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers and what? Rulers. Where? We're talking about the very rulers of darkness. Those are those that we wrestle against. So church, tonight, there's got to be a moment in our church where we draw some lines and you choose a side, and you say, as we prepare for the days ahead, you've got to choose a side. Now, as soon as you stand, hold on, what's verse 19 say? Then, as soon as they stand, these preferred ones of the king now have become the enemies. Why? A simple stand. Then was Nebuchadnezzar, what? You know what a stand will do? Nebuchadnezzar will be full how many of you now were ever yelled at by a Walmart greeter pre-COVID? How many of you ever been yelled at by a stewardess pre-COVID? Anybody ever walked into Amy's ice cream and had the person serving the ice cream yell at you pre-COVID? Anybody folding jeans on a JCPenney table? You ever have one of those people yell at you pre-COVID? And now you've been yelled at because you had a dirty piece of cloth on your face. 
that was rubbing against your mouth and you just ate and your face and your makeup, but it just slightly hung below your nose. And the mass nausea was going to let you know it was two millimeters lower than it should be. Say, Pastor, can you move past these things? No, because we have a culture that won't move past these things. And this isn't going away. The issue is not whether you wear masks or whether you wear masks, whether you sleep in masks or you wake up in masks or you go to school in masks or you work in a mask. The issue is this. The issue ultimately is a, we've seen a worldwide movement of governments who are convinced that their power is unlimited. And whether that's a governor or a mayor, small town mayor, big town mayor, whether that's a king or a president acting like a king, their issue is control and ultimately total control of their population, but absolute control over places of worship. If you haven't come to the understanding, this place of worship has a target on it, a very large target on it. When it comes under attack, and it will be attacked, you shouldn't be surprised by the brutality of the attacks, whether that's lies and slander or lawsuits and fines, whatever it is, parents, spiritual leaders, you need to be buckled up and braced for a spiritual battle that sets. If you hold to the word of God, you're in opposition. I cannot leave you naive or in denial because you live naive or live in denial. I do not ultimately want to ruin your day or frustrate your future. But I do need you to understand no matter how discreet we are, no matter how wise we are in our methodology or tactics, how loving we are in our stand, how kind we are in preaching the gospel, it is still the gospel and the gospel's offensive. It is still the Bible and the Bible is unacceptable in a world that hates God's word. You cannot package it. How, how and who are we to think that if Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the perfect sinless son of God, presented the message full of the power of the Holy Ghost, if they crucified him, do we think we can repackage the gospel in such a manner that it will become acceptable to the masses? If Christ could not package the gospel for the people to accept it, who are you to think you will receive any better treatment no matter how you package it? So the question is, are you trying, are you vying for a life that is discounted Christianity or are you willing to pay full price? Look what it says, Daniel 6. Now let me ask you in each one of these cases, were there not people that were living discounted Christianity? Were these the only followers of Jehovah God in all of Babylon? Let me ask you this, were there not other believers They were on their faces when the music played. And they said, God, in our hearts, you know. We're just not willing to pay the price. Daniel 6, you know the story, verse 10. You know the verse now. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house. His windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. Why? Daniel, you know what this means? The lion's den. And Daniel said, I'm not looking for discounted Christianity. Daniel, you're going to be thrown in the lions haven't eaten in days. And you know what lions do? And there's not one 
but several, and they're just waiting, just waiting for uh, meat, fresh meat. And you're that fresh meat if you, if Daniel, keep, keep the doors and windows shut. That's it. Live discounted Christianity. Don't be so stupid as to pay the full price. F-O-O-L, F-U-L-L, whatever word they were using. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Church, we will stand. Oh, let me repeat that. I've, I've been shocked by who has stood and who has not. We've seen more non-denominational stand than we've seen independent Baptists stand among the larger churches, not so among the smaller ones. Pastor MacArthur in California at Grace said we will stand. The city said we will close you. The city spent, the city spent one, almost $1 million seeking their closure. The case was settled this week, and the city has to pay Grace Baptist for reimburse them $400,000. You tell me in Los Angeles that's not the supernatural act of God. Why is it? Uh, I just had Pastor Mark show me a, a non-denominational pastor here in Dallas and stood up this congregation and said, we're not closing our doors, we're not going to change our preaching, we're going to continue to stand. And thousands of people erupted in cheers while other Baptists have recently just opened their doors and stayed as silent as possible. Are we that fearful of financial loss or physical distress that we say we would abandon our principle to maintain a building we once criticized. You complain about the parking lot, but you fear losing it. <laughs> complain about the lack of seating, but you live in trepidation over the thought of not having your pew. Genesis. Look at those in the Bible. The price was much greater. Genesis 22. God didn't come to Abraham and ask him for a tent or his largest tent. He asked him for a son. Genesis 22, 1, came to pass after these things. The God did tempt Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. And Abraham arose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took his two young men with him, and Isaac his son, and did as God told him. He said, I'm not living this kind of Christian life. I'm willing to pay the full now, Christian, would, you could stay right here and go from Genesis to Revelation, and you know what you find in every one of the prophets, in every one of these men that we hold in high esteem, everyone said, I'm serving God without the discount. I'm serving God and embracing the full price. Look what it says in Job 1. Satan said he'll never pay the price. No, no, the, the Job serve you for not. The only reason he's serving you is because you've blessed him financially. You've given him a great family. But you take away those physical, fleshly, earthly blessings, and he is done, and most Christians are done at that moment. And here's what Job said. Verse 21, to Satan's great dismay and disappointment. 
He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Let, let me ask you this. Are you prepared for loss? I, I'm truly convinced part of this generation's problem is no generation has had more to lose than this generation of Baptist Christians. I remember in my youth, there, there were no four-acre complexes with gymnasiums and coffee shops, state-of-the-art facilities, four years as large as most auditoriums, pews that cost not thousands, but hundreds of thousands of dollars, five, six, eight, ten million dollars of debt. So, for most pastors, the thought of losing their whole life's investment was not people, but a facility. Their whole measure of worth was not God's glory, but rather a complex, a state-of-the-art complex. So, they, they stand to lose a retirement package. They stand to lose health benefits. They stand to lose a vehicle. They stand to lose a house. They stand to lose an auditorium and a gymnasium and a school building. If, if you read any Baptist history, let me ask you this. For the first 1,900 years in the history of Christianity, was there a single Christian concerned about losing their meeting place? No. Was there a pastor for 19 centuries that held any concern at all? Catholics were concerned. Priests, well, I say concerned. They had no chance of losing it because the government had provided it and they controlled the local government from Argentina to Guatemala and the Philippines and a dozen other countries, or the Muslims owned the countries. But I'm talking about Christians. If Christians ever had their hearts set on a building before this generation set their hearts on facilities. Do you, do you know where the previous generation of Christians met? In houses and barns, in forests and parks, mostly in open air, in cold and in heat. And they were totally fine because they were with the brethren, hearing God's word and doing God's will and bringing him glory. And this is the first generation of pampered Christians that say if the temperature is just not exactly as perfect as I would like it and the building's not comfortable and the lighting's not beautiful, then that's probably not the church that I'm going to feel comfortable in. Christian, we've got to answer these questions now. This is something that every generation of Christians has had to deal with except this generation of American Christians who cower at the thought of, not persecution, opposition. We've been embraced. We've been supported. We've been encouraged. If you run a ministry, you can get donations from businesses simply by being Christian organization. Can you imagine? I've talked to pastors recently. Pastor, I told pastors this five years ago, and they looked at me like I'd lost my mind, so I shut up. I told them, you do realize the next step in the game the government is playing is your tax-exempt status. I said, before you build that complex, are you ready to pay property taxes on that? And my next question is, not just are you willing to pay property taxes on that, are your people going to keep giving to help you pay your property taxes when they receive no 
IRS write-off. Say, Pastor, are you trying to be the bearer of bad news? I'm trying to be the bearer of good news. The good news is there's a God in heaven that we can glorify despite any times that we're living in. We can reach people, we can honor his name, we can live for God, and we can adjust the circumstances. And at some point, the price I'm paying is, is going to become much greater and the price you're paying is going to become much greater. And you have to say, am I only living the Christian life because I'm living the discounted Christian life? That's not the life that Christians in Afghanistan are living. It's not the life that Christians in Iraq or Iran or Eritrea or Egypt or Libya or Saudi Arabia or North Korea or China or how many other countries could we list? That's not the life they are living. They're paying a full price Christianity. And that's what the Christians of this book paid. Now, for those with wobbly knees, I want to give you hope because there were 12 really good men that thought Christianity meant healing and revival, souls being won, lives being transformed, churches being planted, and then an earthly kingdom being established and them taking places on the right hand, the left hand of the Father in leadership and rulership. And then when they saw their leader pay a price, they got wobbly knees and said, but they regathered and they regrouped and they refocused and they got new courage and they strengthened the feeble knees. And in Acts 5, guess what we see? Verse 25. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in his name? And behold, ye filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, What? We ought to obey God rather than man. We are here to pay the full price. You've already beaten us. You've already jailed us. We're not looking for a discount. If you want to beat us again, if you want to jail us again, we're not changing our message. We're not changing our methods. We're not changing our faith. We're not changing our God. And if God delivers us, so be it. But if not, we're not looking for a discount. I'm not looking to pastor people that are looking for discounted Christianity. I'm not looking to disciple youth that are seeking discounted Christianity. You need to help establish the hearts of your children. You need to help establish the hearts of your young people and say, if people become more vocal in their opposition when you're passing out tracts or spreading the gospel. We need to become more bold. The world is becoming more and more bold every day in their wicked, wicked behavior. It used to take place in a bedroom behind closed doors. It was never mentioned in public. And now, I, I'm going I'm to fly a flag as a banner so you know how deviant I am. 
perverted I am sexually. Luke 14. So let me ask you this tonight before we pray. We're going to read a text that I'm going to ask you to meditate on. Because really the question is tonight when it comes to discipleship and following Jesus, I got to ask you, have you ever accepted, have you ever accepted his terms? Not, not, not your terms in serving Jesus and, and God, I want you to know I'm going to live for you and I'm going to serve you if these things happen and if the price is not too great and if everything falls in my favor and if the pressure is not too extreme. Well, Christ already laid out the ground rules from the beginning. Christianity is not for the weak in the heart. Verse 26, if any man come to me and hate not his father, stop trying to change or minimize the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I promise you there's no greater frustration for a pastor than to continually listen to his words be twisted. And we, we record what is preached around here. You, you can go online, hit a button, you can put it in context, you can see what was said, the spirit in which it was said, and exactly how it was said. Christ's words are no different. They're recorded right here, and pastors and, and Christians still try to twist them. He said what he meant to say. If any man come to me and hate not his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brother, and his sisters, yea, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You know what we try to do in our schools and in our colleges? Prop and prod and promote and help. When it's not even in their heart to do right. Now, come here, Jerry. Go limp. This is leadership in the average Christian school. You can do it. Please. Please stand. Please stand. Please. Please go forward. Please live for Jesus. Please. Please do this. Help us out. Please. Come on. I need you to. I need. And that's in the easiest day they will ever encounter. To serve. Please. Please get involved. Please read your Bible. Please. Please pray. Please go soul in it. Folks, it is 2021. I need your help. Because I am not at a point in my ministry where I'm investing in proven people who refuse to pay the price and are seeking a discounted Christianity. I have no time left. I just don't, I don't have the time. I want to help new Christians. I want to disciple new converts. I want to strengthen the weak. I want to lift up the fallen. But I'm no longer in the business of saying, we've carried you for five years. Because these are not times where I can have people wasting energy on carrying those that have no intention of ever walking on their own two feet and facing the challenge of the future. Literally, there are thousands of churches across this nation where there is, there is no greater collection of cowards than what we've seen in the pulpits across this nation. States with no mandate in pastors closing their doors. I've personally had independent Baptists brag to me about how long they've been online, and how little they have to do. We say, Pastor, you know what? If we run buses, we, there's a legal liability. Everything in this day and age comes with a legal liability. I'd rather stand before God and say we ran our buses until we couldn't than say we shut them down in fear. Uh, 
Every week is another soul. Every month is another harvest. If God allows Satan to shut it down, let him shut it down. But I'm not shutting it down. I don't want to do Satan's job. Did, did you get me? I don't want to do Satan's job out of fear and say, let's just back up, back down. There are legal liabilities. And if we don't get to the point where we say, I'm done with this kind of Christianity. I don't want in my flesh to have to pay a price. I don't want in my flesh to have to stand. I'm a fighter by nature, but I'm not one of those that wakes up, puts on boxing shorts, puts on the gloves, walks out the door and says, bring it on. That's Macho Camacho. That's Muhammad Ali. That's not Adam Thompson. I'm one of those that says, don't back me in the corner. Please don't back me in the corner. I don't got gloves. I've got a lead pipe. Don't back me in the corner. You know what? There's a God in heaven. And here's what you've got to say. As the three Hebrews said, if not, we've we got a God that can walk us through the fire. And, and you know what? They, they said, this is in the, the Hebrew. They said, you know, if he, goes, if he goes with us in there, it's going to be a real cool place to be. Nice. Ah, okay. That's, that slipped out. Verse 27. Some of you really slow tonight. It took you like 30 seconds to get that. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me. What? Cannot. cannot. He didn't say will not. He said you cannot be my disciple. Then he tells them about counting the cost. Which of you intending to build a tower sit not down first and what? Counteth the cost. Verse 33. So likewise whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Church, we're living in exciting days. And this world needs some examples of courageous Christianity. You know, the only thing that set these three Hebrews apart, the only thing that set Abraham apart from anyone else in earth, and the only thing that set Peter and the apostles apart from anyone else was the fact that inside they were fearful, but they stood up by faith and with great courage said, we're done living discounted Christianity we will pay whatever price God thinks is necessary in our day to pay. 